The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Live from wherever you happen to be, it's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. And now, here's your host, curator of the hall, Jamie Dew. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Doug Donats, for leading us in there to that beautiful Casey Lyons theme. The bells, the bells. I can't stand off about those bells at the end, twinkling us into this week's pod. My name is Jamie, and before we get too settled here, please wipe your feet before you walk into the Hall of Fame. This is Hallowed hallowed ground. So how are you doing this week? I am most excellent. Things are clicking along tiki-boo here as we approach April 25th and the beginning of voting. Uh, This week we have a tremendous episode. And before we get into that, I want to tell you a little bit about what we do here on the SNL Hall of Fame. I invite a guest to come on. They nominate a candidate, and add them to the ballot by discussing them and building a case for why they should be in the Hall of Fame. From there, we do it again the next week and the next week and the next week until we have a full ballot on April 24th. And then listeners become voters. Voters become legendary as they enshrine the first class of the SNL Hall of Fame that will be announced later in May. So there's that. As I was mentioning before, we've got a great episode. You know that I started watching uh, SNL during the first year that Lauren came back. But the, the but the year that I really settled in was the year following. And part of that was because of the next cast member that we're going to add to the ballot. And that's Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman is, you know, uh, basically took the baton from Dan Aykroyd as the utility guy and ran with it all the way to uh, SNL legendary status. Phil Hartman, um, you know, while never putting together the reoccurring characters that some of his contemporaries, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, to name a couple, Mike Myers, uh, put together. Nevertheless, he was always solid in his sketches. He was always great. And then later on, he did start to get some uh, reoccurring characters. Uh, you're you're going to hear a sketch today from Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer, which is just phenomenal stuff. And there was also the anal retentive uh you know, hyphenate. Um, so there was lots of good stuff later on with Hartman. But we're going to get into that with Casey Lyons today. Casey Lyons, yes, the 
composer of the theme to the show. Uh, when we sat down to do this interview, though, he hadn't composed the theme yet. We were still using uh, a theme that I put together that was really clunky and really awkward. And, and Casey graciously stepped to the plate. And um, if you're if you're ever looking to do anything production wise, you should uh, definitely reach out to CLP Productions at, on Twitter. That's Casey Lyons Productions on Twitter. CLP. Uh, productions on Twitter. So there's that. Why don't we head into this interview now? I've talked enough. Casey deserves the spotlight at this point, and uh, we'll get right into that. This is Phil Hartman being added to the ballot of the SNL Hall of Fame. Enjoy. into the Hall of Fame. So Casey's job here is to not only present a nominee, but to build a case for them to a certain degree, you know, to, to tell us why they should be a Hall of Famer. Like I, again, to cram a sports metaphor in there, if you've made the, if you've made the main stage at Studio 8H, you are, you know, major league caliber. You are the big deal. Some people are all-stars. Some people are, you know, just better than the repertory cast just for whatever reason. And there are some people that have built a career that has a lasting legacy. And those are the hall of famers. And Casey's first pick is somebody that I happen to completely agree with him on. And so you're not going to hear a lot of me poking holes in his argument, but this is a former groundling, um, eight year, uh, cast member, he, he got to say live from New York, it's Saturday night, 29 t- times in his career. <laughs> we are, of course, talking about Phil Hartman. Yes. Phil so Hartman. why is Phil Hartman a Hall of Famer, Casey? If you're talking about Saturday Night Live and you don't include Phil Hartman in the conversation, you're not talking about Saturday Night Live. Uh, he embodies what Saturday Night Live, what makes Saturday Night Live great. Uh, for me personally, you know, he's Canadian. Uh, or, you know, he yeah. left here when he was Pretty 10, close. but, yeah. you know, he was born in Brantford, which That's is like right. 45 minutes away from, from where I grew up. Uh, he, um, started when he was, he, he started comedy when he was 27, not Saturday Night Live. Like he started pretty late. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a, a graphic designer. A lot of people know that he designed, um, album covers for Poco and America. I did not know this. Yeah. Yeah. That was his thing. And actually he got into Groundlings. He went and saw a show and then instinctively kind of got up on stage. Uh, uh, he was like, this is where I belong. So he, he sort of traded, um, his in, um, with Groundlings for, uh, you know, redesigning their, uh, um, their merchandise and everything. What? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's so cool. But anyway, so from that, so he, he was somebody who was like, uh, in the Groundlings, he met, uh, Paul Rubens, um, and they developed the Pee Wee character. And something that I find funny is that, that, that the timeline kind of got screwed up for me is really Pee Wee's Playhouse was his first thing. Um, well, you know, the Pee Wee stage show that they did that he co-wrote with Paul Rubens that, that he then co-wrote the movie, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and, and then kind of became integral on Pee Wee's Playhouse. 
that was happening around the time that he got on Saturday Night Live. So those things were kind of happening concurrently in 1986. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think about it like that. But, uh, wow, that coffee is just really just coursing through my whole entire <laughs> body right now. Um, <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, but, but so, so he wanted to write, like he wanted to write his own, his own ticket kind of thing. He wanted to write his own movies, write and star in his own movies. And he was like, oh, if I get on Saturday Night Live, that's going to give me the notoriety that I need to be able to do that. And sadly, actually, he did write a couple of properties that were going to go, but then ended up for whatever reason, uh, falling apart. One of which fucking fascinating he wrote this thing called mr fix it that was a horror comedy basically about this family um where the son and the mother like murder each other or something and the dad rips his face off it's this really weird he he, he said it, it kind of had like a um kind of a beetlejuice kind of a vibe like where it was like horrible things but in kind of like a fun light way with, with a really sweet and positive uh, um ending kind of thing so it would have been really interesting to see that but that fell through didn't end up happening so he got on saturday night live and Pretty much immediately, because he kind of had that that ensemble mentality. Right. He was one of those people, like you think of Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon is a very funny man, but he was great at just kind of being a part of Saturday Night Live. You kind of go, oh, that's Kevin Nealon from Saturday Night Live. Phil Hartman had that thing of like where he really felt like ensemble, like he would go in and do those little, you know, straight man parts. Uh, uh, and he could do those so well and he could make those really funny. And, and like, you got the feeling that he wasn't, you know what I mean? Like that, that every little part of what he, what he needed to be on Saturday night live, he was completely game for, but then also, you know, things like unfrozen caveman lawyer, right? 100,000 years ago, a caveman was out hunting on the frozen wastes when he slipped and fell into a crevasse. In 1988, he was discovered by some scientists and thawed out. He then went to law school and became unfrozen caveman lawyer. He used to be a caveman, but now he's a lawyer. Unfrozen caveman lawyer. Brought to you by Gas Plus actually gives you gas for those times when you feel like being the Joker. And by National Escort Service, if we don't get a prostitute to your door within 15 minutes, you don't pay. And by Happy Fun Ball, still legal in 16 states. It's happy, it's fun, it's Happy Fun Ball. And now, tonight's episode of Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Mr. Keyrock, are you ready to give your summation? It's just Keyrock, Your Honor, and yes, I'm ready. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm just a caveman. I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by some of your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. Sometimes the honking horns of your traffic make me want to get out of my BMW and run off into the hills or whatever. Sometimes when I get a message on my fax machine, I wonder, did little demons get inside and type it? I don't know. 
My primitive mind can't grasp these concepts. But there is one thing I do know. When a man, like my client, slips and falls on a sidewalk in front of a public library, then he is entitled to no less than two million dollars in compensatory damages and two million dollars in punitive damages. Thank you. The jury will now retire to deliberate. Your Honor, we don't need to retire. Keyrock's words are just as true now as they were in his time. We give him the full amount. Did you hear that, Mr. Keyrock? Hang on a second. I I'm sorry, Your Honor. I was listening to the magic voices coming out of this strange modern invention. This has been Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. He, he ha had those characters, like those strong, bizarre characters. Very bizarre. Um, that that were completely indelible as well and, and, and so much a part of, of... I always feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they came a little bit later. Like it feel, So he was a writer for the first season, mm -hmm. and then he got called up to the to the main stage and i feel like the first couple of years he was sort of the heir apparent to dan Aykroyd. you know like he 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 was yeah, the ensemble first the everyman mm -hmm. he could just do anything mm -hmm. and he would do anything you asked of him and then i don't know whether it was like you know that that cohort of writers that came in smigel and and um odenkirk you know a little bit later toward 89 that helped him find some of those more bonkers bizarre characters I, I don't know if that's the case i think so because like i mean in the in the late 80s he, he really was sort of the the everyman kind of thing and and those types of kind of recurring characters and stuff like that uh, obviously they were doing they've been doing that type of thing since 1975 but uh but yeah like i think that that those kind of and i hate using the term anti-comedy but it <sighs> It, it sort of like be, became that that kind of movement, um, but yeah, like I like with the right. with the overuse of recurring characters. Is that what you mean? No, that that kind of like dumb for the sake of dumb. Okay, um, gotcha. Like things like unfrozen caveman, where, where his whole thing is that <laughs> I'm just a caveman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a lawyer. <laughs> like he's a lawyer who was a caveman and that's how he wins by going like, look, I'm just a, I'm just a caveman. This world frightens me. Yeah. I always felt, I always felt like, I don't want to say bad for him, but it was just like, you watched this era where you had Lovitz and you had, uh, Carvey and you had Mike Myers who just had recurring characters out the yin yang. And then you had Phil Hartman who you just knew was dripping talent. And then on frozen caveman lawyer came about and it was like, fuck yes yeah. like yes you've got you've got your your movie character i don't know if they could ever have made a movie but you know like you've got this character that yeah like i i don't know like i don't want to i'm not going to guess what his mindset was or anything but but his success on saturday night live was his versatility yeah um like uh, those are the people that i really love the people who can blend into a sketch um like those kind of <laughs> Like, I think he's the ultimate utility guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he, he was so good at not stealing focus from others, but making himself known in a, in a sketch. That's right. And, and I think that that was, there was more, 
subtlety or nuance to it back then than perhaps there is now. But writing is different now. But well, look at the eras that he spanned, like the personalities that he worked with. He spanned Carvey Lovett's Myers and then, you know, like again, big personalities yeah. as well, right? And, but that and, one, and he worked. That, you that, know? Was, that was when it was, yeah, he, he did. I feel like he left when he should have left. Like I feel like Phil Hartman leaving when he did kind of gave gave way to what SNL meant to the 90s. Like, I, I feel like he didn't outstay his welcome. And I, I don't know. I'm not somebody who necessarily thinks that somebody who stays for a long time has outstayed their welcome. I can't really even think of anybody. Like, I'm so glad Keenan is still Me there. too. Um, and if there's somebody you were going to, you, you would pin that on, it would be him at this point, who's like, what, 15 years or whatever. Yeah. You know, it was nuts. Um, but, but, but I love him. Yeah. But it's going to be a sad fucking day when Keenan leaves. That's it, true. It was, uh, you know, there was, um, uh, what's his name? Daryl Hammond was yeah. there for a hell of a long time. Tim Meadows was there for a hell of a yeah. long time. I miss Tim Meadows. He's one of my favorites, but, uh, but, but I don't know. Like, I feel like an eight year term is, seems about right. Yeah, I think so. What really worked for him in the, in the latter half was the Clinton stuff, right? You know, for, that was, for Phil Hartman. That, that was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I've read a bunch of uh, stuff about Phil Harmon, and they always say that Clinton is his kind of like signature piece, which for me, not necessarily like, I, I think back then I was like, oh, he's just another American politician. I don't know that much about or whatever, but yeah, like he, where Daryl Hammond's uh, Clinton was fun and, and like, you, you know, he really, I, I feel like he was continuing w- where Phil Harmon left off. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in a similar sort of um, vibe. Yeah. Like, you know, when somebody does a um, a hacky uh, John Travolta, they're basically just kind of doing Dana, Dana, Carvey. Dana Carvey's, yeah. uh, which got me through uh, so so much of school doing Dana Carvey's uh, um, <laughs> John too. Travolta. Me too. Um, but I, I felt, felt like in a way Daryl Hammond was just kind of like not necessarily ripping off Phil Hartman's uh, Clinton, but really picking up the torch yeah uh but but yeah like i mean so so there's no question that phil hartman is uh you know and and he came in at a time when you know again uh uh lord michaels was just just coming back saturday night live was so stale and stagnant for so long um i mean there's so much of the eighties of SNL that I hate, uh, which is crazy town. When you think about it, that you had Eddie Murphy for, for three and a half years, crazy. you know, it's, and it's funny to think that the Eddie Murphy stuff was, was right in the middle of all that because yeah. you go, Oh, well, because he's another one where you're like, uh, Eddie Murphy is fundamentally, uh, what Saturday night live is Same for the show. Uh, yeah. Right. And you think, his what he did was so impressive because he didn't have a ton of backup that's you know arguable i guess but uh there's a lot of the you know like the that the weird let's hire robert downey jr and uh and fucking um i always feel like that was lauren coming off of ebersole's year though where ebersole went all out and and hired like vetted seasoned professionals like all-stars 
you know, with Crystal, Shearer, Guest, and and uh, Short. Mm-hmm. And Lauren wanted to come back and go, okay, so that's how you do it. But what I do is I find the new young emerging talent. Totally. And which is, it which didn't, is, didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work then. I think he got better at it. He got, as, sure as did. Because, yeah. uh, uh, because, you know, then, then, you know, years down the road, there was the Sandler and Spade and Chris oh Rock. Oh, my God, and, yeah. Um, again, it's he likes to create rock stars, uh, uh, which, is, which is great, which I think uh, serves SNL pretty well. Um, and it's funny because Phil Hartman isn't really one of those rock stars, no. you know, again, what Saturday night, Le- Saturday night live needed at the end of the eighties, which was, there was a fun heart to, to what they did, like a fun kind of, um, something very, almost kind of sweet. Like, do you remember there was that weird sketch that him and Jan hooks, uh, a frequent collaborator with him did that was like this kind of black and white. I vaguely remember it. I did not understand it when I was a kid. I was like, I don't understand why they do these types of sketches. Right. But it's just this really kind of sweet, uh, they're like dancing and shit. While I didn't necessarily understand it, I liked that they did things like that on SNL back then. Like, um, there's something really kind of warm and inviting about it. And I think that that's a big thing that Phil Hartman brought was an accessibility. Um, he wasn't dangerous. No. You know, he wasn't scary or like, um, he, he was like dependable, but he was still wildly funny. Yeah. I can't visualize a Hall of Fame without him in it. No. He is absolutely a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I have no idea, but he belongs there. And I think you made a really great pick. Yeah, I think uh, we're in a good place. Yeah. And that's it for another week here on the SNL Hall of Fame. That was Casey Lyons in uh, adding Phil Hartman to the ballot. So that's pretty cool. We Our, our ballot is filling up. And uh, this is, what, what is this, week 22? Yeah, this is week 22 of doing this. So, you know, we've only got seven, seven or eight more of these. And um, then we, we get down to brass tacks. So I hope you're ready for that. As I mentioned off the talk, uh, off the top, you can find Casey at CLP Productions. <laughs> it's Productions, so CL Productions uh, on Twitter. Uh, I believe he's got a website as well, CL Productions at uh, pardon me uh, dot com. Uh, you can check that out as well and um, follow everything he does because he's truly magnificent. He's a magnificent human being. And uh, that's what I got for you this week. So uh, I got a favor for you. On your way past, can you turn out the light? Because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. You can find everything you need to know about the show at snlhof.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcast. This is Doug Denance saying, this is Doug Denance saying, see you next month in the hall.
Podcasts and such. <laughs>